1: I first want to start off by thanking all my um, Patreon supporters. Uh, we've got, in the pandemic reprimando, the $17.76 of um, support a month. We have Samuel Shockey. We have Perry. Uh, the custom-made $10 level is Kevin Alanos and uh, uh, Katie Victoria. Um, and then we have some other... Uh, supporters at the $5 level, Joe and PJ. I want to thank you all very much for helping support. You know, this is is a big fight and there are plenty of legal fees that go along with this and I truly appreciate your help. Um, Also throughout this, I'm going to be, this is, I don't get paid for this. I was given this for free and this was uh, by my friends over at the mustard seed shop and they have these available for you. Um, Again, this is not, Uh, They haven't paid me to say this, and I don't have any discount codes for you, but they're good people over there. They're also veterans. They're also fighting the same fight, and and this was a free gift from them to me. So I want to, if y'all can show them any love, if you can show them any support, uh, if you can see, uh, I'll put some pictures in there also. Uh, But today we have a wonderful guest. His name is Luke. And Luke has a very interesting background. So he is an interrogator, and he's also a linguist, which are... Two very important things. And the other day when I was talking to Luke, I came to the conclusion, because many conversations I've had with the service members have been like the conversations I've had with Luke, just these brilliant conversations, well-educated, self-taught. And it's almost like for the past two years, every service member that's on this side of, of this argument who hasn't got the shot or is going to resist future shots, they, they seem to have given themselves a self-education like a PhD level education in medicine in law in language in all these areas and so it's that's one of the good things you know there's plenty of bad things that have come out of COVID but one of the good things is we've the, increased our education uh, by ourselves you know we've you know many people have have gone and just learned these things and they're experts in this field, even though they don't have the PhD or the, the MD or the DO or all these letters behind their name. But when someone has spent time as much time as let's say Luke has and many other service members I've talked to, it's important to still hear from them. And and in the future, like my kids, they won't go to college. College won't be a thing like it is now. And those letters behind their name won't matter So this is the beginning of that new era. But Luke, pleasure to have you on. Thanks for joining me.
0: Thanks, Sam. That's great. You know, it's a really good point you made there about uh, people being self-educated and uh, the letters after their names not really mattering. There was an E5 medical equipment repairman that I talked to yesterday. And what he said was, well, I may not be a very well-educated man. I don't consider myself to be that intelligent. And I said, well, you've figured out a lot of stuff the guys in white coats haven't been able to figure out. And he says, "Well, yeah, I wasn't indoctrinated." He says, "The first thing that my parents would make me do as a kid on my way to school was to uh, recite verses from Romans 12 about renewing my mind," and he says it prevented me from being indoctrinated. And I said, "Hey, there you go. That sounds pretty good. You know, it's are you gonna are you going to regurgitate that which an education system ordered you to regurgitate, or are you going to think?" And he chose option B, and well, he's doing pretty well for himself.
1: Right. Oh, and one more thing that I forgot to mention is um, any view expressed today by by Luke or by myself is our own opinion is not that of the Department of the Army, not the DOD, nor the U.S. government.
0: I think your listeners are going to figure that out pretty quickly if they haven't already. But, yeah, that's a fair point.
1: (laughs) Slightly different opinions. Yes.
0: Yeah, slightly different, right. Although, oddly enough, I will say that we do follow AR600-20, even if the general staff doesn't. I will say that we abide by the opinions of the Department of Defense and the Department of the Army that were at least important enough to them that they enshrined it in regulation, even if they no longer care to follow said regulations.
1: I love it. It's good.
0: Unfortunately, yeah. Yeah, thanks. So I I was going to say the way a, a lot of this started for me was... As a translator, I started realizing that a lot of people could be fooled by certain things and a lot of the reasons that they could be deceived or one of the many reasons they could be deceived is because they weren't familiar enough with their own language. So when people redefine terms or people misuse terms regularly or people outright fabricated new terminology for whatever purposes in social engineering, it was really meant for. Because people didn't know their own language well enough, they weren't really in a good position to defend truth or to defend the integrity of the language as they should have been able to. And I think the same thing happens in all walks of life. I think it happens in law. People who aren't familiar enough with the law can be bamboozled or fooled by lawyers or fooled by uh, any number of people who are trying to abusively um, harm them using the law as a weapon, weaponizing law, weaponizing language. And I think the same thing happens with faith. A lot of people who don't know their faith well enough can be led astray. Similar kinds of problems happen in all walks of life. But I realize with language, he who controls the language controls the culture. And that certainly appears to be the case here. A lot of things have been pulled off in the last couple of years, partly because redefinition of terminology is uh, now extremely commonplace and widespread, unfortunately. One of the things that I know you and I have talked about is uh, misapplication of terminology or outright redefinition of terminology. So for example, the CDC redefining the term vaccine is a good example of that, where they now no longer have to pretend that they're giving you immunity. Well, back in the day, we heard every number of excuse, or any, all numbers of excuses for why people still got the flu after getting the flu shot. Why did that happen? Well, it was a different strain. We were taking a gamble on which strain it was going to be this year, so you got the shot for the wrong variant. But the military happened to purchase all of these vials for this particular variant, apparently, and they lost the gamble. So then everybody was forced to take a gamble with getting all sorts of neurological issues and all sorts of toxemia issues because they were gambling with whether the army's gamble was actually going to pay off. So there we were basically two degrees of gambling there. And now they don't even have to pretend that it's going to give you immunity. If you get sick after you take something, it's because it didn't actually guarantee you any protection against it in the first place. So I think that the mask is coming off for a lot of people now, and I think there's a lot more truth being spoken because, well, they need to redefine things in order to get away with things in court. Because, as as you told, as you and uh, Doctor Thorpe said, you'll be at Nuremberg if, if this, depending on how this goes, I'll be I'll be in Poland, right there with you guys. So.
1: Well, and one thing that I've that I've recently discovered, and. And and this bothers me, you know, just because we've done things this way in the past doesn't mean that we should um, continue to do them this way in the future. And and yes, there's been these mandates and these requirements for a flu vaccine. But truly, and this is an argument, a legal argument that maybe we'll have after these COVID arguments are won. But who are you? And I don't mean you, Luke. I mean, but you, the commander, to order me to take a vaccine any vaccine any medical treatment mm-hmm. because if if I'm being ordered to take a medical treatment by a commander then I've lost my autonomy I no longer have free will which that's a article 13 mm-hmm. issue uh, or the 13th amendment issue I'm sorry mm-hmm. the 13th amendment issue and who's practicing medicine without a license now
0: <sighs> yeah Yeah, I noticed that. I noticed that a lot of people became self-proclaimed physicians as soon as the media, the same media that told us that Saddam Hussein had weapons of mass destruction, was now telling us how virology and pathology work. So that was, you know, we already one degree separated from reality by going along with what mainstream media decided to put together with all their pharmaceutical sponsors. And um, then from there, people started saying any number of things, uh, being self-proclaimed experts on this. And I I realized early on that things were going to start deteriorating pretty quickly, especially when you saw Ezekiel from the uh, Illinois Public Health Department come out and say, you know, even if you died of a clear alternate cause, we'd be listing you as a COVID death. Okay, well, what's COVID mean in that case? What does death really mean in that case? And, and we started seeing just language games all over the place. This, this wasn't about science at this point. It was, a, it was about language. It was about linguistics. And um, I, I noticed that, over the years, and this is, this is something that we can see pretty clearly that goes back to the 1920s or actually 1917 with the Bolshevik Revolution, redefinition of terminology was used to actually bludgeon opponents and shut down debate and dissent uh, in many cases. There was a lot of Trotskyite terminology that you and I had talked about the other day when it comes to um, names that people are called or insults that are hurled at people in order to try and debase or discredit their opponents. And uh, we started seeing that a lot, too, with anti-science, anti-vaccine, uh, anyone who opposed the status quo, which, well, used to be a cool thing, uh, going against the establishment, going, standing up to the man. That's no longer, that doesn't appear to be the case anymore. And I think one of the reasons for that is that people have legitimately become religious when it comes to following something that they see as scientific. Uh, one of the patterns I noticed though, is that redefinition of terminology or misuse of terminology is required for that in the first place. So what we're right now we're looking at a bunch of different measures and a bunch of different medical treatments, including force ones that are based on germ theory, which remains a theory after hundreds of years. Now, why is that? Why is theory treated as fact? So first, and this, this is something else that happens, is even something that's used to explain the origins of mankind or the origin of the universe, is called a theory. But if we follow the scientific method, a hypothesis must first be tested and then produce some observable or repeatable result in order to become a theory. So the Big Bang theory that explains all life on Earth for the secularists is actually the Big Bang hypothesis. So the hypothesis is artificially, linguistically elevated to the status of theory, and then theory is misused to be treated as fact, just as the theory of macroevolution or the theory of cosmic evolution is. And then it turns out that once you have a quote theory, you can actually just treat it as a religious dogma that a bunch of people will follow and you can do whatever you want to them with that.
1: Isn't that wild? Like these things that we haven't been able to prove where we're holding people's feet to the fire.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, 100%. And, and then, of course, we're also talking about blending of terminology, you know. For example, when someone says, you know, do you, do you believe in science? Okay, well, what is science? Well, collection and observation of data. Okay, and you know, experimentation and things like that. Uh, But then from there, it has all sorts of implications uh, that, you know, all sorts of conclusions that people are expected to follow because there are hypotheses that are allegedly settled because there are theories that are allegedly settled. And then there are facts that are allegedly settled when all you have in many cases is just a hypothesis. And to be to be fair, some of the people on the fringes, some of the most ridiculous people, such as Giorgio Tsoukalos, the guy with all the wild and crazy hair from ancient aliens. Um, a lot of people know him from there. Well, they, a lot of times the guys on the show described it as the ancient astronaut theory when it's actually the ancient astronaut hypothesis. And in 1997, with the most normal hair and most normal clothing anyone will ever see Giorgio Tsoukalos wear, uh, he did say that there was it was actually the ancient astronaut hypothesis. But he, he was actually much like a mainstream modern scientist in his approach to this, because he said the only way that the ancient astronaut hypothesis could be disproven is if the extraterrestrials themselves show up in the flesh and say, we were never here. Well, there's a little bit of presumption, I'd say, in his uh, explanation of that hypothesis. But that's uh, unfortunately very much a mainstream thing now, because so many things are accepted as dogmatic fact. And so many hypotheses or theories that are elevated to religious dogma for them are dependent upon those presumptions.
1: Let's, let's get into some of those um, other uh, language or vernacular issues that, that you had brought up when we talked about the other day, because those were really interesting, and it, it kind of lends to that idea of confusion of the languages if you look back to Genesis and the Tower of mm-hmm. Babel and how you can have two people talking oh, communicating yeah,
0: absolutely sp- sp-
1: speaking the same language but yet completely misunderstand each other.
0: Oh yeah, no you're absolutely right. It does go all the way back to Genesis and it's been it's been written about all throughout mankind's history. And I think one of the reasons that this is done, one of the reasons that the language is intentionally manipulated by people is actually to break down the ability of the common man to interact and communicate. Uh, Our ability, we should be able to be heard. People talk about, well, you know, there are those without voices. There are those who feel disfranchised. Uh, There are those who feel cast aside because they're not heard. Well, one of the greatest ways to make sure that people aren't heard is to take their language and make it impossible for other people to understand. And I, I think we've seen quite a bit of that because two people could use the exact same terminology, and then not understand the other person because something is allegedly so contextually dependent or has so many different connotations. So, I mean, I was arguing with someone the other day about the word complain um, and the individual in question had said, well, that just sounds like someone's griping or whining or moaning. And I said, well, then what do you do with a formal complaint? when someone petitions a court with a legitimate legal document for a formal complaint as a plaintiff, is he just whining and moaning to the judge? No, not at all. He's filed a legal motion. Um, <laughs> and the, the connotations were just not understood because of how people so often um, see words used. But that's, that's more of a dictionary issue. The fact, uh, the fact of the matter is now, we have dictionaries catching up with misuse of terminology. Um, the dictionary is no longer standard. The dictionaries are often malleable, and we started seeing that with misused words. So, for example, "disfranchised" is the word I just used a couple of seconds ago. Uh, people often say disenfranchised. Well, you're taking a positive and a negative. We're going to start, if we're dealing with math here, we've been multiplying things by I and then asking whether they're real. So if we have something, someone could be enfranchised or someone could be disfranchised. Well, if someone's disenfranchised, he's just franchised. At that point, you're talking about someone who may as well be a McDonald's location or a Waffle House. And that's that's another example with disbark versus disembark. You would embark on a voyage or a journey or you would disbark right, to get off the ship. Well, disembark would just be bark. At that point, we're talking about people who are basically dogs. And once, once people misuse these words, such as irregardless and things like that, um, just adding different prefixes or prefixes or suffixes, the dictionary eventually catches up to the misuse of these things in the vernacular and the language becomes dumbed down. Now that in and of itself isn't necessarily toxic or, or harmful. But it does muddy the waters a little bit. And the more confusing things are, the more concealment there is, the more darkness there is, whether we're talking linguistically or physically, that's where predators hide. Predators hide in areas that are dark. Predators hide in areas loaded with concealment. Start throwing off smoke grenades and the enemy is going to have a lot more places to hide. And and that's unfortunately what we're seeing happen here. Because I do remember, as as a translator especially, the word gender has a specific meaning as a linguistic concept in the Romance languages and in Arabic and things like that. We're, we're talking about masculine and feminine words, but we don't have that concept in English. We also don't have that concept in Persian Farsi. So when someone wants to introduce Dr. John Money's quote theories from the 1950s, which involved unfortunately a series of experiments with uh, real horrible harm and experimentation on children with, with hormone therapies and other things. Uh, we started seeing that by 2015 webster had changed the word gender to add an additional definition to say that it was a state of being that was separate from sex well people were misusing the word gender because it's a linguistic concept that doesn't exist in english so they didn't know that it was actually just a grammatical structure that people were talking about they thought that it was actually something different and a whole lot of social engineering stemmed off from from that And we can see that people's opinions on things that a few years ago they would have said were completely absurd now seem to be completely okay because of media and because of social pressures and because of the dictionary actually changing um in order to go along with this uh with a concerted effort to make those things change in people's minds
1: and one thing i've noticed about that is these you know people use the word gender or i guess probably gender when they really maybe mean gender roles, which are completely different because that's more of a, a a construct thing like, Oh, the gender role is a man does this and a woman does that. And since I, you know, some people are like, well, since I like to do things that are more, you know, I'm a man, but I do things that are more like what women typically do, then I must be a woman, which that's completely wrong, right? You can, you can be very effeminate and still be a man and you can be very, masculine and still be a woman that doesn't change your gender. It may change like the traditional social norms or gender roles of a job. But I, I once had a patient come to me and his probably nine year old daughter was there in the room. Mm -hmm. And he was saying how she wanted to, to become the dad was saying how she wanted to become a man. And I said, well, okay, let's explore this a little bit. Why, why does she think she can do that? And it's because she wants to be like her dad and her dad works on cars. Well, she can be like her dad, and she can work on cars that doesn 't mean she needs to have hormone therapy and she you know and so this dad was quite reassured and he was happy that his daughter doesn 't need to change gender just because she she likes to work on cars you know that's that is wow. the spice of life, and that 's what makes the world such an amazing place is we can all be different, but we are what we have been made right you can 't change the very essence of your DNA
0: Yeah, I mean, there's a big difference between being a tomboy or a bit of a tomboy or having those tendencies and wanting to be like dad and pharmaceutical companies needing to make a ton of money off of a lifelong pay, uh, lifelong customer. I almost said patient, but I want to say lifelong customer. Um, and the pharmaceutical companies are not concerned about the fact that the life expectancy would be much shorter. And that's right. another horribly sad thing. We We are talking about people who have absolutely no regard for the life of children. And that's been made pretty clear, not just by things that Robert F. Kennedy Jr. or others bring up in that regard, but the angle that they attack pharmaceutical companies from. But it's it's pretty out in the open now with things like what you just described, where our father was like, well, do, do I have to ask a doctor about uh, the options to explore here for something that would have just been completely normal and understandable even just five or ten years ago? And a lot of that's due
1: to this language issue that we're talking about when we're this idea of gender roles, if that's even mm-hmm. the proper term for that, and gender, and how gender now means sex when, or gender quit meaning sex, yeah. and it meant this other idea, and then they get blended together, and then we try to pull them apart again, you've got people changing, the trying to change the very DNA of their body, which can't be done.
0: Right. And another thing I thought of <clears throat> with this word theory, do you ever notice how people who like to misuse the word theory essentially to treat it as fact, whether we're talking about gender theory or whether they are talking about germ theory or the Big Bang Theory, which can't even be tested, by the way, it's always going to have to be a hypothesis just because of its limitations with the scientific method, unless, of course, you bring up a new definition of the word theory, which some people do. But you ever notice how theory can be something that's equivalent to fact or dogma for these people? Unless it's something they don't like, then it becomes a conspiracy theory where the same word is used to describe something so absurd that it couldn't possibly be real. But in the next breath, theory is something that's so dogmatic that it can't be it can't be rejected or defied by any man. And unfortunately, we see quite a bit of that. Now, you write that this does go back to Genesis, but uh, there's another good example of it with a more recent history. We can see that uh, Pope Pius VI, for example, wrote an apostolic constitution in 1794, Octorum Fidei, and he was writing about, in the beginning of it, he was writing about the heretic Nestorius in the year 430. And what Pope Pius VI said was the heretic Nestorius expressed himself in a plethora of words, mixing true things with others that were obscure, mixing at times one with the other in such a way that he was also able to confess those things which were denied while at the same time possessing a basis for denying those very sentences which he confessed. And so people can use the exact same words to mean opposite things within the same sentence or paragraph and not see that there's a real issue with a paradox there. Um, and and not do anything to adjust the way that they speak or communicate with others.
1: Well, that's interesting, too, because if, if it's the truth, it's 100% true. And not my truth, but the truth is what we're talking about here. But if it's 99% true and then 1% wrong, it's still all wrong. And that's how the devil works. Yeah. That's, that's no, how the devil exactly knocks right. down that wall.
0: Yeah. And actually, Pope Leo XIII said the same thing in Satus Cognitum, I believe it was in Satus Cognitum number nine, uh, that there could be no one more dangerous than those who accept nearly the entirety of, of Christian teaching. And then with one word, as with a drop of poison, infect the true faith of our Lord the, and handed down by the apostles. Uh, and that drop of poison's there. But I think that's got to do with muddying the waters as well. I think the reason that predators are able to hide so easily um, is because things are confusing. You know, if we we were to take a glass of red wine and you swirl it and you look at it and smell it and you can see the legs and everything like that, depending on the consistency of the wine, let's say you have a port or something like that, there's a reason that things with strong flavor and certain viscosities were always used to conceal poisons throughout history. So if I wanted to get someone to drink automatic transmission fluid and I wanted to take some red-dyed automatic transmission fluid, I know exactly what i could put it in you know it's got a little bit of a sweet smell i'm going to put it in a port well i, I think what's happening now is with the way things have been poisoned by pharmaceutical companies by social engineers is they they kind of overstep overstepped their bounds to such an extent that their wine supplies are running really low but they still have a whole lot of tranny fluid and We're actually at the point now where things are so out in the open that people who were previously handed a glass of red wine, a sweet red wine, mixed with a little bit of automatic transmission fluid are now actually being handed a glass of automatic transmission fluid and being told that it's red wine. And even someone with the worst sense of smell or the worst sense of taste um, can tell that he's drinking something made by a petroleum company and not by a, a vineyard.
1: Yeah, I like that analogy. That's pretty good because I mean yeah,
0: thanks.
1: Society is drinking poison at this moment, and, yeah. and proof of it is they're asking for amnesty. I don't know if you saw that recently.
0: Um, no, I did not.
1: Yeah, there, there's a article was asking out there for amnesty. Um, that any of the COVID stuff that that happened, we want amnesty. Just, just forgive us. Just, just forgive us. And and like my neighbor, I can forgive my neighbor. The guy I work with, the guy at church, I can forgive them. Because they're not responsible for giving good information, giving the full truth. But people who are at the policy level, the people who have given direct orders for people to get this medical, this experimental medical treatment, I can still forgive them. They need to be held legally accountable. And I'm not calling for vigilante. That's true. I would never call for that.
0: No, I, I definitely totally wouldn't. Like I told you the other day as well, I wouldn't do that either. But I I also think that the only reason that these orders were able to be handed down in the first place was because of language games uh, and, and what people sometimes call legalese. But even legalese was cast aside. You know, this is an issue. And I, I know there, there's, this may turn into an ongoing case, so I, I probably shouldn't give too many details about the specifics of the things that I saw for Huachuca. But when we're talking about specifically as far as publicly available information goes that memorandum from the secretary, Under secretary of defense or assistant secretary of defense for health services with interchangeable versus interchangeably um two drugs that remained legally distinct then could be mandated things that i mean the word approval came in the a really really big misuse of the word approval i mean how many times for example did you hear pfizer's approved whatever that means, um, over the last year and a half or so, right? Um, people were perfectly fine with saying, well, Pfizer's approved. Now it's like, well, that's interesting, because now we can just start saying, here's a manufacturer that makes hundreds of products, or possibly thousands of products, and it is approved. And like you were saying the other day with Chad, I mean, you don't ask for Coca-Cola-labeled cans at a restaurant, you ask for Coca-Cola. Well, if Coca-Cola is approved, and you go into a restaurant and someone says, well, it's Sprite. Sprite can be used interchangeably with it, and it's made by the Coca-Cola Corporation. Well, Sprite and Coke can be used interchangeably for making people fat or making kids stay up all night. There's no doubt about that, because you're going to have similar ingredients and overlapping ingredients, just like Pfizer and the FDA say that they have. You're, you're dealing with high fructose corn syrup. So it's all they're also used interchangeably for making sure that people become um, long-term insulin customers of pharmaceutical companies. But you're handing someone something that was evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration and then saying that the other product made by the same company with some overlap and some interchangeability is, is then the same product. And I'm sorry, I, I, don't, I'm, I would think because it comes from the biggest convicted felon in um, medical fraud history that both vials are loaded with automatic transmission fluid, but they don't belong on the shelf at a wine store as a result. But that doesn't mean they're the same. You know, you go into AutoZone, you don't have to be looking for wine. But if you go into AutoZone, you're going to find several different brands of automatic transmission fluid on the wall there. Just like if you're at a liquor store looking for wine.
1: Right. And, I mean, to kind of even further that point of confusion of the language is when the, when the, was it, Frago 5 came out and it said very specifically, and if you knew that there was a difference, you could see it. But it said, you know, it's a lawful order to mandate that soldiers or service members get whatever, whatever um, FDA approved vaccine. And then, or they may volunteer to take Pfizer, Moderna, um, J and J, whichever it is. But it said, Comerity was one. And then it said, or which starts a new idea, new sentence. um, They can stand alone and you can volunteer to take this other product that we're going to start using that name interchangeably to confuse you. And they do that through the rest of the, the thing because Comirnaty is a specific product and the Pfizer slash BioNTech is, is not the name of Comirnaty. It's a, it's, a it's a mix of the, the companies that are working together to make Comirnaty, but it's not the same product. And they, they start using that Pfizer BioNTech through the rest of the document
0: oh yeah no and and that's exactly what i saw i mean uh, one of my soldiers drew my attention to that with um robert f kennedy jr showing that this is exactly what pfizer had begun to do when it started seeking bla for comernity but what i think is interesting is that throughout that article you know you have a lawyer there robert f kennedy jr a very successful attorney uh, who i think has done a lot of good work in this regard He's constantly using the word vaccine but why is he using the word vaccine well what does vaccine mean nowadays that's a good question because it's it's legitimately been redefined uh at least in cdc documents we can see that they have a new definition of vaccine and that was uh, allegedly in order to make these ones fit the definition of a vaccine so uh, originally it was uh, these soldiers have to take an approved vaccine regimen but now soldiers don't necessarily know what vaccine even means. And then you're dealing with multiple entities with conflicting definitions. So while the CDC might change their definition of vaccine, uh, that doesn't mean that Congress changed its definition of vaccine with uh, various statutes that you and I were going over the other day to include the National Childhood Vaccine Act of 1986. So there are definitions of terms that are now, I mean, if these things are vaccines, which they don't appear to be. Uh, and then, of course, if if Doctor Lonka is correct and Enders was wrong, then vaccine science doesn't really mean much anyway. I mean, it, and it all goes back to cattle, vacus in Latin meaning cow. Is that because of cowpox or because people just like cattle are being shoved full of experimental drugs? I don't know.
1: And another thing that you had mentioned was the the idea the FDA approved. And then they'll say how Pfizer is FDA approved when really it's under emergency use, author, emergency use authorization. So in reality, it's authorized to be used. It's not approved. And you'll hear, like, go back and listen to news reports. You'll hear all these news and all these, even, like, doctors and all these people say, oh, it's approved under EUA. Well, is it authorized or is it approved? Oh, yeah. Is it Because those are different things. You can't say it's authorized and approved. It's either authorized, meaning it's it's gone through all the safety standards, which all of those are in question now, or I'm sorry, it's it's approved and it's gone through all the safety um, regulations or it's authorized and you may use it. But, you know, good luck. Hopefully it works out well for you.
0: Yeah, actually, I thought it could be authorized and approved at the same time, because supposedly if Comernity is interchangeable with BioNTech and their formula is almost the same and they can be used interchangeably with the same level of effectiveness and safety, not efficacious, they say effective instead of efficacious, which is another thing you pointed out, but you can have allegedly the exact same formulation of a drug under EUA in the US, under CMA in Germany, and then supposedly also under BLA, which they then claim is full approval in the US when it's supposedly all the exact same formulation so maybe, maybe it can be approved and authorized at the same time, although right, that's and, not really legal
1: <laughs> Right. and and the b l a argument is an argument that the d o d made that is purely fictitious because they made it up after they yes. were in court they They never had that argument they never made that stance prior to going to court to try and defend themselves, and so it's it's purely fictitious it's like oh man we've 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 been called on this, what do we come up with uh throw a dart at a dartboard BLA let's try that and see if that works
0: I think that was Judge Allen Windsor's ruling in Pensacola last year correct where he said it was legally unconvincing even though he dismissed the motion for those 16 sailors he said the DOD's argument was legally unconvincing yeah Yeah,
1: I believe that was well
0: that was Judge Allen Windsor I believe so well Chipping away at medical terminology, though, is completely fine now. Because I mean, w- what we've been talking about here is use of medical terms, but medical terms have been under attack for quite some time. And one, one a good example of this is when we look at, you know, obviously, you know, because you're a doctor, how how many words uh, come from Greek or Latin in medicine? There are tons of them. And and that's what doctors supposedly spend most of their time um, learning, is, is essentially learning a new language or an old language, I suppose you could say. But we've started to see words that are fabricated because we've talked about words that are redefined. We've talked about words that are misused and then we talk about words that are outright fabricated and created specifically for the purposes of social engineering or created specifically for nefarious purposes uh, or for bludgeoning opponents. And a great example of this is when I was younger, uh, you know. I think it was a teenager. It must, yeah, it must have been, because this this was on MySpace, all right? This was a little while ago, where people were throwing around the term homophobe and calling people homophobes, because that's what you did on MySpace, apparently. And um, I remember looking at a list of legitimate phobias and le- legitimate medical terms. And seeing that that was listed on there, and I said, well, this doesn't make any sense because we have arachnophobia, we have a Greek prefix and a Greek suffix, fear of spiders, and we're talking about legitimate phobia, an actual legitimate, irrational fear that people have to describe essentially a medical condition. And agoraphobia, people are afraid of going outside, fear of the marketplace. Well, then we started seeing things such as homophobia. It's like, okay, well, if we were to say, you know, we're we're looking at a Greek prefix, a Greek suffix here, is it fear of the same? Because that's what it would have to be, right? Oh, no. Okay, well, let's mix up with the Latin, you know, homo homosapiens. homo sapiens. Okay, so it's fear of man, fear of humankind. No, it's not. It's fear of homosexuals. Like, well, how is that possible? Because you're, you're dealing with a suffix here that has to be misused. And then I looked and saw that essentially people were claiming that you could make a legitimate medical term by taking a prefix from a slang abbreviation in English. And then mixing it with a Greek suffix in order to create a legitimate medical term or to describe a social or medical phenomenon and then the word phobia was then rebranded or um, redefined in that context to mean hatred or dislike so we were three degrees separated from reality with one made-up term uh and then we saw the exact same thing with Islamophobia because if we're looking at the Arabic language here Islam means submission So, okay, Islamophobia, if we're going to now mix Arabic with Greek, because apparently that's okay to do now, too, we have fear of submission. Well, fear of submission to what? Well, fear of submission to God and perfect submission to God's will, which is the only context that Islam would work for the word Islamophobia. So, and then it is redefined again to mean dislike of Muslims. But wouldn't that be Muslim phobia or just dislike of Muslims? These words are all fake. And, and this is a real problem. People use these words to bludgeon people. Um, but whenever I hear someone use those words, I realize that someone is actually just regurgitating things. Kind of like what we talked about earlier with um, that guy who pointed that that um, medical equipment repairman who said, well, I, I haven't been indoctrinated. But those who have been indoctrinated believe that they're intelligent by using, uh, you know, and believe that using these terms makes them sound intelligent. When in reality, it it makes them sound um like automatons. We're dealing with people who are using copy and paste terminology to try and describe a phenomenon that doesn't even make sense. Like, it, those words don't actually convey that meaning. <clears throat> so people are then conditioned to accept the meaning of these terms, regardless of whether these terms are real. And then other people who are used to hearing those words then don't know how to use the individual components of those words. So I think about the Germans, for example, Germans have extremely long words. They can break those words down into, into various things. And uh, Persians yeah. use a ton of compound words. You know, for example, their word for ostrich is camel chicken, or their, their word, especially in Afghanistan, for, for turkey is elephant chicken. It's okay to take weird words and shove them together like that. When you break those words apart, you still have the intact meanings there. You know, Camel still means camel, and chicken still means chicken. By the time you're done breaking down homophobia or islamophobia those words those individual components of those words do not mean what they have to mean when they're combined together it's more like chemistry than anything else to be honest like pharmacia is chemistry i guess if we were to take sodium chloride you can have two toxic substances that come together to make a non-toxic substance or in this case the opposite where you take multiple non-toxic substances and put them together to get a toxic one
1: Yeah, they they should be able to like with stoichiometry and chemistry, like you were saying, they what you put in has to be on the other side, and and
0: yeah, you
1: know, it's
0: it, it's like pharmacy yeah pharmacia for words, right? I'm sorry Don't if mark. I buried it in a bunch of stuff. Remember, how I was talking about, yeah, remember how I was talking about how you know you can hide a bunch of stuff when it's when things are obfuscated deliberately or confusing. Yeah, sorry if I threw too much out there and something got lost or hidden. Then I do apologize for that. Yeah but um, uh no well so i was gonna say that um something you had brought up was where words are actually presented to people in a people are accustomed to seeing a word presented to them they're used to seeing something in a particular context and then something is swapped on them so for example if we looked at Um, messenger RNA, people see mRNA and think messenger RNA, and then the company that makes a chemotherapy or gene therapy cancer treatment, allegedly, is called Mode RNA, which is then Moderna. They just changed the pronunciation of it. Um, But then whenever people see the mRNA product from Mode RNA, they're not thinking modified RNA, they're thinking messenger RNA, and they're thinking about some kind of uh, helpful enhancement for them. But it's. I think you had said that you you saw that um, in their documents that they had actually specified that this was modified as opposed to Messenger.
1: I I saw that specifically in the Pfizer. I would imagine that Moderna or ModRNA would also do the same thing uh, because that's what they they base their technology on. And they actually have never brought anything to market in the entire time that company has existed until this alleged vaccine, this gene therapy which is yeah. gene therapy based on the FDA definition of gene therapy from 2018.
0: Right. Which I guess you could say is subject to change because if people catch on to that and it becomes um, problematic for them, legally speaking or otherwise, um, or something hurts sales and that's entirely possible that they could change that. But I remember there was a conversation. I mean, I was talking to Dr. Lee Merritt a few days ago. Uh, I remember there was an interview that she had with Dr. Tom Cowan where Tom Cowan was talking about the same issue of how words and medicine are put together. So, for example, uh, they were talking about the, the word ribosome. And he goes, well, what's a ribosome? How, how does this work? You know, because he was, he was talking about uh, biology in that case. And he said, ribosoma, rib from the body. And Dr. Merritt says, well, well, now we're talking to Adam and Eve. And he goes, yes, so all these building blocks come from a rib from the body from Adam and Eve. And then Cowan says, well, that means they're messing with you. Which, he's right, in a sense. If we're talking about how something that supposedly explains the origins of things then goes back to a clearly religious um, concept, then I think we can start seeing how words are created.
1: Well, and it's interesting how we create words to mean things, but how, you know, this is a a bit of a tangent on how my brain works, but everything was created by words from God in the beginning, Mm. was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God.
0: Yeah. Yep, in John chapter 1, yeah. By whom all things were made, yeah. Without him nothing was made that was made. Right, yeah, no, that's true, and everything is created. And I think that's one of the reasons that communication and words have to be destroyed so badly by social engineers i mean in order for deception to come in we have to look at what has to be done to words because if we think about what a lie actually is i mean if if we're talking this in military concept we're talking about mildac right and military deception deception is perfectly fine as a tactic of war you want to deceive the enemy you want to trick him and you want to um, you want to be able to save your the lives of your men and do some harm to his by using deception well, a lie is actually a carefully crafted weapon of war whenever there's a lie employed against someone. Whenever someone tells a lie to somebody else, what he's actually doing is misusing the gift of language and the ability to communicate, um, which can be used for wonderful things, and um, it can be, it's meant to be used to tell the truth. But he's actually carefully crafting a weapon to be used against someone else to cause misdirection or to cause harm, in the same way you would in a war. And, and I would that's, say that... unfortunately, how deception works.
1: I would say that you're right. It it is a war. It may not be a war with with flesh and blood, but it's a war in the unseen realm, and and that is always a part that's engaged in the world. You know, there's always that that fight uh, where there's the unseen realm that that's Satan and his his fallen angels trying to destroy humanity, and so it makes sense that this is a weapon of war because it truly is a weapon of war. That's always being this war. That's always being fought. Even if it's not countries fighting, it's, it's this unseen realm where God is, is trying to save us by saying, Hey, I'm right here. I want you back. You're my child. And Satan's like, no, nah, he's mine. I'm going to, I'm going to take him and and destroy him. So that, because really that's the only way that Satan can get to God. There's nothing that Satan can do to God, but he can destroy humans, which is a way to get at God.
0: Yeah, it's even better if you think about outsourcing the uh, destruction of humans by getting them to do it to one another. Now, for example, if you get people to either lie to one another or to mindlessly perpetuate things that turn out to be fraudulent, then you have people harming each other either wittingly or unwittingly. So let's say britain and france want to go to war but all they can find i mean not all they can find but the easiest way that they can do it is finding a bunch of indian tribes in the american midwest to kill one another well i think we call that the seven years war and then i think we call it the war of 1812. but this is what we're dealing with here is people essentially being used as proxies and oftentimes unwittingly you know and this is why everyone has a duty to think about these things whenever they see something, regardless of how how much sense it makes. If something doesn't make sense, we actually do have a duty to think through it and to work through it because deception is constantly being waged against us, especially when we're talking about pharmaceutical companies. We are talking about serial convicted felons, whether it's Sanofi, GlaxoSmithKline, Pfizer, Merck, or any of these others. You're dealing with people who lie constantly and have to pay out billions of dollars for lying and then they sponsor media groups which are famous for lying and whenever people hear something from a politician you know they'll always say well politicians are famous for lying okay cool so that means when a document comes from any of these people or them all working together you actually have a duty to dig through and think this through and not merely take something at face value because when something doesn't make sense it's your job to think it through and to look at whether these words actually mean what they're claiming they could mean in order to avoid deception, because otherwise you become a mindless perpetuator of harm or like a repeater of harm and a repeater of deception. And a lot of people have done that. A lot of people, I think, I would say innocently, but I would say less culpably have done so in the last couple of years, especially.
1: And one thing that I really like is Jordan Peterson. I love listening to him and I've listened to most of his books. I think all of his books, actually. And one of his 12 rules for life is tell the truth, at least don't lie. And, and then he goes and explains how when, when you lie, that leads to things like Russia and, and the Soviet Union. It's like, well, the government was designed to make you have a perfect life. And if you don't have a perfect life, well, then there must be something wrong with you, not the government, because the government's perfect. And so if there's someone standing behind you with a gun saying, how's life? And you're like, well, it's perfect. I got a gun to my head. Uh, well, now you're lying and that's the basis of the destruction of a society.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And actually that's, uh, ultimately how the whole took place, even though Jordan Peterson, um, that's, that's the one book he said he was going to read. He said he was going to get back to us about that later. I hope he does read, uh, 200 years together and talk about that later. I actually talked mm-hmm. to Dr. Merritt about that, but no, you're, you're right. I mean, honestly, you do end up with things like that when it comes to lying, because, um, Actually, Dr. Tom Cowan, I think it was, someone asked, how do you stay so sharp in your old age? How do do you stay with it? How do you keep your wits about you? And he says, it's easy. I never tell a lie. And then he talked about how lying can actually cause people to develop different pathways in the mind and try and, you know, justify things or understand things or remember an alternate path or remember an alternate reality, remember a different narrative, try to keep up with it all the time or trying to process information that's clearly false and try to make sense of it all just because they're processing information through the lens of having loyalties to those who they think they should trust, even though they clearly can't. So rather than saying, calling out something for the lie that it is, people will take something from an entity that they trust and then try to work through that. and. I don't think it's by coincidence that a bunch of people have Alzheimer's and dementia. I think Dr. Cowan's correct that one of the greatest ways to do that is to destroy the pathways in the mind and to destroy the, uh, the way that the mind works. Eventually, you're going to break it. You know, a lot of people say uh, various different things supposedly cause Alzheimer's, uh, medically speaking. But if we think about it spiritually or in a, in a different kind of biological or different kind of medical sense that can absolutely destroy someone's brain. You know, if you look at people who are stuck in particular dialectics or who have been believing or preaching lies for such a long time or things that are just really confusing, when they get old, nothing they say makes sense.
1: And and Because
0: you can't do that forever.
1: Right, and this is one thing that Jordan Peterson had also said was, you know, how do you know if you're lying or telling the truth? Because sometimes you don't, you don't know what the truth is, but you always know what the lie is. And the way you know what the lie is is if it's something that makes you feel more weak, that's a lie. The truth will make you feel stronger. It may yeah. not be comfortable to say, but you can see what the truth is, and you can you can judge if it's a lie or not by if it makes you feel or act more weak than you did before you did that or said that.
0: Yeah, that's true. I mean, because otherwise, it, it, it really that statement kind of takes the neutrality out of the whole thing, because a lot of people would like to say that they neutrally perpetuated something that was negative um so if someone accidentally tells a lie or someone just repeats a lie without thinking about it yeah he's is at least culpable for his own ignorance in that regard even if there's no malice there but yeah you're right whenever someone whenever someone lies whenever someone takes the easy way out whenever someone cheats so to speak it, it will make you feel weaker it absolutely will And, you know, when I was going through all this at Fort Huachuca, trying to navigate FRAGO number 752 coming out three days after FRAGO 743, uh, however many FRAGOs General Hale managed to crank out in a a 72-hour period, um, I, I realized all of the different problems with the linguistic manipulation, the fact that IG passed the buck to JAG, that JAG was trying to say that uh, they had actually written these uh, documents and things and that there could be a problem that you might have to go to the IG for, on and on and on. I turned to my replacement, who was working through all of this with me and and realizing that there was deception going on and realizing that there was uh, serious contortion and manipulation going on. I said, you know, man, this feels like a test. And he said, it does, because it is. And, uh, I think that taking the easy way out would have made me feel weaker. And, uh, I think it would have made a lot of people feel weaker. And for some guys, including the man I was just at, I was just saying who agreed that it felt like a test. Eventually they dangled a third rocker in front of him and, uh, well, he said he, he said he would take it if he was forced to and like life circumstances changed and he did. And then he said he felt like a sellout. So going along with a lie can make you weak too and can make you feel weak as well unfortunately
1: I think this might be the perfect place to kind of round out today's conversation is it is a test and it it's not like a test like oh life's a test no this is this is the test that we you know I, I assume everyone had this same idea when they were in high school and you're learning about the Nazis and you're like man I, I wonder what What happened if I was in that situation? And, you know, there's that that voice in the back of your head says, you know, you would never know unless you're in that situation. Because here you hear everybody saying, I would never do that. I would never do that to the to any group of people. I would never do that to the Jews or to the gypsies or to, you know, the the eugenics. I would never do that. But it's happening right now. That test is happening right now. And if if you're on one side of it, then you fail the test. If you're on the other side, you are passing the test.
0: Yeah, and why did the Soviets have to have NKVD troops during World War II behind all the conscripts waiting to shoot at any man who ran back and fled? Um, Yeah, it doesn't take a whole lot to get people to be willing to do a lot of harm to their own people, unfortunately. Or not their own people. As I said, 200 years together makes it a little easier to understand some of what was happening there, but yeah, you do end up seeing that a lot of people will do a lot of harm and, uh, they don't know until they're in that position. They don't know until they're in that situation. But as long as people, as you said, and as my cousin said, as long as you're willing to walk away from everything, like I'm willing to walk away after 15 years, uh, my cousins will walk away after 18 years. You said you're willing to stop practicing medicine. Um, and you said that they have no power over you once you're willing to walk away. And, uh, as long as you're, As long as you don't want too many of the things they can dangle in front of you, as long as you're not too hungry for the carrots they dangle, then you can pass the test, I think. I think that's a big part of it, at least.
1: And I think the other part of that, when we had that conversation, because you had said, you know, once, you know, I had mentioned once, once you're willing to give it up, they have no power over you, but you had said something even more powerful, I think, that so many people grasp onto what they want, their job, their position in the military, with so much ferocity that they'll do anything to keep it and then people like us nothing's really happened i mean we've been i've been suspended there's been things that have not been good but yeah eventually they're probably going to ask both of us to stay in i would imagine when they can't get other people and you know what we're not going to
0: no absolutely not yeah right no, I mean, yeah, they've canceled a few TDYs on me. They've uh, pulled a couple assignments up from me. They've changed my position on the on the M two a couple times. But okay, I mean, great. The army does bad things to people. Even if the army weren't doing this to me, let's say somehow I coasted completely and skated like some of the guys who pretend to take the shot do. Um, I don't want to stay in an organization that treats other people the way it's been treating them. Absolutely not. You know, and, and I, I think I told you one point. You know, if we're talking about an organization that does not respect the law has no regard for the law i may as well make money doing it i may as well throw a suit on go back to where i grew up Go back to where people from my lineage and descent uh, engage in a whole lot of private sector organized crime as opposed to public sector organized crime and make way more money working for an organized crime syndicate. It's just that it turns out that I think nowadays when organized crime syndicates are led with men, uh, led by men who have shoulder boards with stars on them, they actually somehow end up making more money than the guys with the suits and the uh, fedoras. So... I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna stay in or join any other organized crime group, so I, I don't think I could stay in this one. Because this is organized crime, this is what we're dealing with here, you know, that the insider trading, the profiteering, the forced medical experimentation, it's like, come on, I don't want to be part of something that's hurting so many people like that.
1: And that's not just your opinion, but also uh, Congressman Thomas Massey had said that this is a crime in progress. and yes. that what a I'm not going to say a name or a position, but what this person is doing is illegal.
0: Yes, yes, exactly. And I mean, we could also argue that Congress is another uh, crime family, but that's okay too. Congressman Massey did tell the truth and is trying to do the right thing. But I I suppose that we could see who the ruler of the world is um, and who the prince of the power of the air is and uh, the powers of the darkness of this world. I mean, principalities exist in republics, too, obviously. So, any organization is potentially going to be tainted as long as there's deception going on.
1: Right. Until we have a new heaven, new earth, we'll always have the evil one waiting like a lion, ready to destroy. Right. Well, thank you, sir. Well, thank you so much Uh, for coming on.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks for the opportunity
1: and i want to re or i want to um also just just mention this again that one of the good thing that's good things that's come out of this is i speak to men like you and women like you every day who have learned all of these issues themselves and have basically given a self-educated phd in in medicine in law in all of these issues and it's, it's amazing to see and it will do you well. It will do everyone else who's who's learned these similar things well, because that means they can adjust and and do whatever adjust whatever new path forward will be for them.
0: Yeah, and a lot of us did put the time into trying to learn and figure this stuff out on the fly. You know, and, and there was only so much I could do for my position as a seven, but uh, my friends who were fives and sixes did the same thing, but. I really gotta thank you for being the only army doctor that we're seeing coming out swinging as hard as you are, because that—that does a lot. The position you were in, you—you you absolutely passed the test and made the right choice to help as many people as possible. I, I don't think we'd—I uh, don't think we'd have gotten this far or be able to make this much of an impact without without a physician who kept the Hippocratic Oath. It's not Maybe more than it's... just oath of enlistment, more than just officer's mm. oath. You, uh, yeah. Sorry.
1: Thank you, but it's not just me, it's also um, Doctors uh, Lieutenant Colonel Long and retired Lieutenant Colonel P. Chambers because um, they've been yes some heavy hitters that have been able to kind of hang on to their coattails also.
0: Yes, Colonel Chambers definitely. I, I was familiar with his stuff, yeah. But uh...
1: Well, sir. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. Just a reminder for everyone out there, in duty uniform of the day, the full armor of God, let's all make courage more contagious than fear.